Through much of the summer as a congregation, we've been just looking at different parables of Jesus, but we're going to take a break from that this morning. Uh, It's been several years that we've done this, but we're going to do this morning what we call Volunteer Sunday, an opportunity as we transition from the summer back into our more regular routines of the busyness of the fall season of the church to encourage us to think about and offer opportunities where we can serve both within our congregation and in the broader body of Christ. I'll explain more about that in my message, but let's start by looking at our scripture text, which this morning is from 1 Corinthians 12. I'll begin in verse 27 and then read through all of chapter 13. The words will be on the screen behind me, or if you'd like to open up your pew Bibles, that can be found on page number 1140. Again, starting in chapter 12, verse 27 of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
As many of you know, my oldest daughter, Ella, through her high school career, had the opportunity to participate in Rippin' Christian's robotics program, where every year they're given this competition where the students have to work together to build a robot, and then they participate in competitions against other schools that do the same. And in those competition, competitions, there's some of the cooler jobs those that drive the robot or operate different parts of its thing using remote control that get on the field and compete. And then there's another job, and that's the job of the scout. Now, admittedly, that's not a very joyful job, and when people find out about it, they're like, really, that's what I have to do? I want to drive the robot. But instead, they're asked to walk around and ask the other schools, well, what does your robot do? What are you good at? And what are you not so great at? And then they sit in the bleachers and they watch all of the matches. And every single one, they keep careful notes about, you know, who did what well, who's got good at this part, and who's bad at this. And, and they just track it all. And it feels like they're kind of on the outside, not as engaged. That is, until a very crucial moment. When all of the preliminary matches are done, at the very end, the better teams get to pick and choose who's going to enter into the playoffs and what robots they're going to uh, join up with in that competition. And it's a very chaotic scene, but in a very short amount of time, all of a sudden, someone's got to say, that's the robot that's going to work best with us as we move forward into this playoff competition. And the work of the scouts suddenly becomes critically important because the driver and the other members have been too busy working on the robot that they haven't seen who else is out there and what they're good at and what's not. And the scout all of a sudden plays this really important role. Now, I will admit that that's a, an illustration that needs some explanation, a little bit niche, but I'm sure all of you can think of examples in your own life, in your own experience, where you've been on a team or you are at work and there's a task that you need to do with other people. And in that task, there are certain roles that just are a little bit more flashy, a little bit more involved, that get a little bit more attention and are more fun. And then there are other roles, jobs that people don't really want to do, but they're critical. And I'm sure, like me, you can think of many examples where in those seemingly less important, uninteresting jobs, there are moments when the person that was asked to just watch that meter, the person that was asked to just pay attention to this detail does, and because they're paying attention, they play a critical role in the success of the overall task that everyone else is doing. Well, as it is with everything else, so it is in the church. We are a group of people that are working together for a common goal. And in the church, there are some of those roles that are a little bit flashier. They play a bigger role in making decisions. They have a microphone and people's attention for longer periods of time. And then there are all of the other roles. Sometimes ones that don't feel as important don't feel as flashy, don't feel as involved, and yet are significantly critical to the overall importance of the mission that we have. And that what our text, that's what our text for this morning is all about. So let's start with a little bit of background. 
The church in Corinth that Paul is writing to, like many of the other churches, were wonderful places where God is just now planting this new message of salvation of Jesus Christ, and the gospel is going forth and being spread, and yet, of all of the churches that Paul writes to, it seems like the Corinthian church had a lot of issues. And one of the issues that it had revolved around their use and understanding of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are those things that are often talked about in the Bible. They are the talents, the skills, and the abilities that different people have that are used in order to build, serve, and support the kingdom of God. As in our text, there are many places that list several of these gifts, and when you compile them all together, depending on how you count them, they're either in the upper teens or the low 20s and different varieties of gifts. And when you look at individuals, there are some that have a whole lot of different gifts, and there are some that have just a few. There are some gifts for people that come extremely naturally, and they don't have to do much to be able to use those gifts with an incredible amount of quality and and skill. And then there are others that take an awful lot of diligent work to hone and to practice and engage in before they are used well. Well, when it came to the Corinthian church, from what Paul writes, it appears that there were some of these gifts that were getting special attention. They were seen as useful, important, flashy, and wonderful. And the people that had those gifts and were expressing them were celebrated and patted on the back and encouraged and delighted in. And then there were those other gifts that were seen as less, less important, less useful, less necessary less celebrated. And so people were feeling really proud of themselves when they had those super gifts, especially the gift of speaking in tongues, it appears. And instead of the gifts building the church up, division was being sown. Well, to address this, uh, Paul highlights a few things. Uh, First of all, in chapter 12, which I really could have read all of, and he actually continued into chapter 14, but in chapter 12, he highlights the importance of all of the gifts that God has given to different people, and he does so by comparing the church to the human body. Uh, Pastor Brent used a puzzle this morning. Uh, Paul, the apostle, used the human body as an example. And as he says, there are certain parts of our body that are really important and tasked with big jobs. Our eyes with the ability to see. Our ears with the ability to hear. But just because those parts of our body play important roles, it doesn't mean that we don't need kidneys. Or that we can function without a liver or a pancreas. Those less celebrated parts of our body are at times more important than our eyes or our ears. In keeping us alive and allowing our body to do what it needs to do. Every part has a function to play and every part is important in the body as a whole. And the point of recognizing that in the body of a human is that Paul says it's the same thing with the body of Christ. Just as our bodies could not function if we were just one eyeball or a bunch of ears, we couldn't function as a church, the body of Christ, if everybody just spoke in tongues. If everybody prophesied as all we had were teachers or all we had were administrators. 
So just as the human body can't function without all of the parts working together, so also the church cannot function without everyone using their gifts. It's a theme I preached on before in Volunteer Sunday in the past, but this morning I wanted to focus more on where Paul goes next as he transitions from focusing on the spiritual gifts to saying, and now I will show you a more excellent way. And this is where we see the great love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And while I hope and, and assume it's, it, the content of this chapter is very familiar to many of you, oftentimes we don't recognize that content properly in the context of use of spiritual gifts. But in recognizing that this morning, we see in verses 1 through 3 that by hi he highlights the fact that love needs to be what grounds and stands behind and over all of the spiritual gifts. You may be the very best at speaking in tongues and have all kinds of prophecies, but if you exercise those gifts in a loveless manner, well then you are achieving nothing of substance and importance. And we've seen that. I'm sure all of you can think of people who were extremely talented and gifted in certain areas, but to be honest, when they use their gifts, they turn into arrogant jerks. And we lose respect for them because the use of their gifts is clearly all about celebrating who they are and puffing themselves up, wanting the accolades and the pats on the back and the encouragement of others. Oh, you did such a good job. Thanks, I know. So as much as certain people, I have certain gifts, like the gifts of speaking in tongues, were being celebrated and praised in the Corinthian church, it was being destructive to the church overall because it was being done without love. The idea is that it's not the gifts themselves that make you what you are doing important or substantial. It's how you use those gifts that will have an impact. They need to be used with love. Which leads to the question, well, what is love? And that's answered in verses 3 through 7, a famous chapter part of this chapter that explains what love looks like it's a a part of that is often taken out of context and will often be used in ex, in weddings for example and that's not necessarily a bad thing these verses do challenge the more cultural idea that love is an emotional feeling by highlighting the actions that stand behind an attitude of love and as i recently said at a wedding if we are called to express this kind of love to people that we go to church with, then how much more should we show that same kind of love to people that we live with? And that's the reason why this text stands out so much. The view of love is so countercultural. Talks about showing patient endurance with other people. Not pressing them. It, it's less about what you get out of a relationship and what you can do for the other person as you serve them, encourage them, and walk alongside them with all their struggles and problems and issues. And when you are able to do that, it says love will endure all things. 
no matter what gifts you are using. Well, with that as the background, then Paul continues in verses 8 through 10 to talk about the permanence of love. Yes, these certain gifts of, again, tongues especially were being celebrated, but Paul suggests that those prophecies will end. Tongues will cease, knowledge will pass away, but when these gifts are exercised in love, that is what will last. And again, I think many of us have experienced that and know what it's all about. Many of you, if not most of you, have grown up in the church and had the privileges of having baptismal promises fulfilled in your life. And as such, you've had all kinds of leaders and teachers. Let's choose Sunday school teachers, for example. And for you that have had many different Sunday school teachers, think for a moment of who out of all of those teachers were your favorites and why. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm sure that as soon as you think about the people that were your favorite teachers, you probably can't remember very much of the content that they taught you and the things that they instructed you. You probably can't quote many of the lessons that they went over, as important as that was. But most likely what made them your favorite was the fact that you knew that they loved you. They called you by name. They cared about you as a person. And more than the content that they tried to instruct into you was their attitude of how they treated you. That's what's remembered. That's what lasts. And that's the point that Paul is making. Yes, you know, you can have these great gifts, but if you're using them to build yourself up, then you're going to be standoffish and divisive. But no matter what you do, if it is done in love, it will remember, be remembered, it will make an impact, and it will last. And the idea of that permanence continues when put in the context of eternity that Paul does in verses 11 through 12. If you want to make a lasting impact on this world, it's not about all of the praise and adulation that you will receive, but it is about showing love to others. And when you look at it, when it's about yourself, you look at it like you're a child. And you have a very limited view. And you might think that you, since you're the best singer, for example, of everyone you know, then you're the best singer in the world. That you're the best servant. You're the best of all of these things. Paul says that's a childish way of looking at things. And there's going to come a day when your eyes will be opened and you will know fully. And when you know fully, you'll realize how insignificant you really are. But if you do want to make a lasting impact, again, it will be seen in the way you show love to others. And that is what will last beyond all of those things that will pass away. So the basic point is serve not out of greatness or skill, but serve with love. So in a context where people were overemphasizing certain gifts and doing so to their pride and self-glorification, rather than for the service of Christ and his body, Paul says, all of our gifts are needed. They all play a critical role. And what is more, no matter what gift you have, the bigger issue is not what you do, but how you do it, calling us to serve in love. And he does that, not so explicitly in this text, 
but in other texts, because that was the example and attitude of the Christ that we follow. Several other texts talks about the fact that Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve. When he taught, he didn't want people to praise him for his gifts and his oratory skills. He wanted them to listen and to obey because he loved them and he knew that what he was saying to them was important. Christ didn't worry about his status. Even his status as the son of God. But he gave all of that up. And he was born in a humble manger. And he lived and he allowed people to mock him and tease him and to spit him. And to be crucified on a cross. Because he loved you. And he wanted you to join him in eternity. Philippians 2, 4 through 8 summarizes this well when it says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ lived, modeled, and loved, as it is instructed in 1 Corinthians 13 for us. And if we claim to be his followers, transformed by his love, then that is the love that we need to show in our use of gifts, not for our glory, but for his glory and for the sake of the church. So what does that look like? Well, just as the church in Corinth in the first century needed each person to use their gifts together for the service of the church with love, so this church in Escalon, California, needs all of us working together to use the gifts and the talents that God has uniquely given to you in order to work together to encourage this body of believers to function well. Once again, I did a quick peek and, and counted up all of the different names on the back of our bulletin just to pull off what we're doing this morning. And while there are a couple of repeats, 52 different names were needed to play the instruments, to work the technology in the back, to watch and care for our children in the nurseries and to help us find a place to sit. And that doesn't count all of the Sunday school teachers that we're going to be needing next month. It doesn't count all of those that said a quiet prayer, unnamed and unknown before this service, that God would speak through this work. It doesn't count those that haven't been asked or assigned to do it, but this week will write a card or a letter of encouragement to someone, or to make a meal or have a visit with someone that just needs some encouragement and some attention. All of those things are important all are critical. And that's why we want to offer you the opportunity to participate in that. We recognize that God has given you gifts. Some of which we have opportunities to use and explore. Other ones that we haven't figured out and don't need to figure out ways to say, let's make sure that people are doing these different things. But in order to figure out where we can use you, 
And this little piece of paper that's in your bulletin, and maybe some of you were doing this before the service or while I've been talking, uh, but there's a QR code. Uh, And what you do is you take your camera on your cell phone and you point it at that, and it'll put you to a link and where you can just fill out a form right on your cell phone. If this is, you know, too much, you can go to our website where there's a link that has been established or we've got a couple paper copies in the back for those that would prefer a less technological way. But the strong encouragement is to take a little bit of time to pray and to think about what is my role? What part has God equipped and called me to play in this body of believers in this church at this time, and especially for those that have never known how to make yourself available, we want to create this as an opportunity to do just that. But we do that with this bigger invitation. No matter where you serve or how, always remember the importance of serving with love. Yes, we need singers to help us figure out the tune and the the beat of the songs, but not singers that are going to stand up here to prove how wonderful they are and gifted they are, but singers that are going to serve well. We need people in the back to, to serve our children in the nursery, but not just to sit there and kill time, but to do so as they fulfill the promises that they made to those children that we do at the baptismal fount, to receive this child in love. Make sure that they're cared for. Establish relationships with these children that are going to have leadership roles in the future. No matter what you do, do it with the love of Christ. Again, we've all experienced the blessings of those who have served us in love. Looking back, that's what got each one of these four that stood this morning to this point. They know that this is a body where they have been welcomed, where they have been loved, and where they belong. But now as they move forward, we look forward to how you're going to use your gifts with them and with the rest of us in serving the community of Christ here and wherever it is that you may go. Serve with love. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, first and foremost, we must acknowledge, recognize, and remember the love that you have shown to us. A love that was completely undeserved because of our rebellion against you. A love that is faithful, patient, kind. And in that, Lord, we thank you for the way that that love has shaped and changed us. And having acknowledged and received that, I pray that we can go forth and use the gifts and talents of your Holy Spirit given to us in love. And that this community would be a place where people know that they can, they can serve, where they can be encouraged, where they can grow in their relationship with you because they are loved and want to show that love to others. Lord, help us as we seek to do that. Open our eyes to opportunities that we are blind to now. And whenever and wherever called, we pray that we can serve you by loving those that you put in our lives. We can only do this with the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. So guide and direct us, Lord, we pray. And we do so in the name of Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.